John 3, verses 1 to 15. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it, where it comes from or where it is going. So it, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake, in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. As a, as a teacher, I have the privilege, I've had the privilege of teaching, literally, we were trying to work it out just the other day, but it's thousands of young lives, and on numerous occasions, they've come out with some rather hilarious questions which betray their own bewilderment and confusion, either by, uh, about what I've been saying, um, how I've been saying it, or perhaps just life in general. Um, some recent examples include, um, Miss, why don't you use normal words? I um, wasn't quite sure what to say to that. And, uh, and we were studying recently a particular writer and philosopher with my A-level group, um, a chap called Sartre. Sartre, says person, wasn't he a singer? <laughs> no, that's Sinatra. <laughs> Almost the same. Anyway, well, we often read in the Gospels of times when Jesus said something that is just quite bewildering. Um, to the listeners. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. Nicodemus, uh, in uh, John chapter 3, is one such occasion. Here is a man who has an expectation of understanding most things in life, but at least the humility to admit when he doesn't. Nicodemus has, from a distance, been observing Jesus. He's seen him do amazing things, He's trying to work this Jesus out. You'd expect him to be able to. Here's a man who is religious. We're told he is a Pharisee. He knows, therefore, his scripture. He's educated. 
With his Greek name, we can suppose he is a man of learning. And he's not without influence. John describes him as a ruler, one who sat on the Jewish ruling council. So if a person's going to make sense of Jesus, what he says and what he does, you sort of assume it's going to be someone like Nicodemus. In verse 2 of chapter 3, we read that he meets with Jesus at night. Now, there may be all sorts of reasons for this, and I think we can safely assume that it is noteworthy, as John does make such a point of including this little bit of detail. Perhaps Nicodemus is being discreet, not wanting to interrupt Jesus, or or perhaps he's particularly keen and, and wanting a private audience so that he can have an uninterrupted discourse. Or perhaps there's an element of cowardice. He's not yet ready to openly be seen with Jesus. He wants to get the measure of the man before he's prepared for others to know that he associates with this unusual preacher, teacher and healer. It may well be a combination of these. Whatever the incentive for meeting at night, Nicodemus has already experienced enough of Jesus to see that he is worthy of the title rabbi, teacher. And not only that, but one of God. He's able to admit that what Jesus is able to say and do is not by having the right upbringing and educated by men. No, this is a man who is divinely inspired. In verse 2, Nicodemus says, For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Then Jesus goes on and says something that puts Nicodemus in a right spin. Verse 3, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What? That makes no sense. I bet Nicodemus had that face that sadly I see quite frequently in the classroom. (laughs) I don't get it. What? Just to rub it in, Verse 7, Jesus says, you should not be surprised by this, Nicodemus. You're an educated Jew. Your people, our people, the people of Israel and God, well, they go way back. You must be born again. Yeah, you get it? Yeah? Makes sense? Yeah? No? Doesn't make sense. You must be born again. What does that even mean? Part of the bewilderment for Nicodemus is that he would have thought he already had the kingdom of God in the bag. He was a Jew. It was part of his inheritance as a descendant of Abraham to enter heaven and be part of God's kingdom. He was a part of the covenant race through Abraham, Moses and David. His Jewish identity meant that all that was needed was the Messiah to bring in a new world. The kingdom of God he had and was a part of, or so he'd thought. What he didn't realise was the Messiah had, had come not simply to establish a new world, but to offer new life. So poor Nicodemus is reeling from having his assumptions, his assumptions shattered. 
To expand, Jesus says, in order for him to be born again, Nicodemus must be born of water and the Spirit, in verse 5. Sometimes one does really get the feeling of, like Alice, going down the rabbit hole. What Nicodemus thought he knew isn't so. And now Jesus is talking about water and the Spirit somehow involved. So what was Jesus saying? Be born again. With Nicodemus, we can ask, how is that possible? What does that mean? Well, let's examine that idea together. God, by his very nature, is perfect. We are not. God is spirit. We are not. How then can we possibly be in a relationship with God? We cannot. Our nature falls short on these two significant points. Perhaps we can see, perhaps we can see, we, um, sorry, perhaps we can uh, inherit redemption. Nicodemus had certainly thought so. But from Jesus' response, that is obviously not the case. We are not made a person of faith by virtue of our parents or grandparents. Flesh is of flesh. Clean and pure does not come from unclean and sinful. The Matthew Matthew Henry uh, commentary on this passage points out that condemnation and sin are woven into our nature, which makes it necessary for our nature to be changed. It is not enough to put on a new coat or a new face, but we must put on the new man. We must be new creatures. There is a need, therefore, to be changed. There is a need for a new nature. We must be born again. The meaning of this phrase is twofold. Firstly, it can mean again or for a second time. Nicodemus certainly takes this meaning literally, resulting in his question found in verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old? Followed by the exclamation, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? No, indeed not. But a second birth is required if Nicodemus is to see the kingdom of God. The nature of the second birth relates to the additional meaning that can be attached to the phrase born again, as it is from above. It is a spiritual rebirth. Spurgeon put it this way, Have you caught the idea, my dear, um, my dear hearer? Do you understand that you cannot polish yourself up to a certain point and then see the kingdom of God? You must be born again. There must be a radical change in you. A new birth, a birth from above, if you are ever to see the kingdom of God. If Nicodemus cannot inherit access to the kingdom... Perhaps he could do all the right things and work his way there. He is, after all, a Pharisee, a religious person. No, that won't do either. As we were reminded this morning, all have fallen short of God's standards. We're all tainted by sin, no matter how good we might like to think we are. So how could Nicodemus bring about this change in himself, so radical 
But it's as if he is brand new, a new creation, a new life. If there is no salvation without the new birth, how can Nicodemus obtain the new birth? The short answer is, he couldn't. It must have been quite a moment for Nicodemus. All those preconceived ideas he had about what it was to be a man of faith, they'd just been blown out of the water. Jesus starts talking about water and the Spirit. Starting at verse 5, we read, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So this being born again involves water and the Spirit. Now the reference to water could be a reference to baptism and an indication of the importance of baptism for one who says they are a follower of Christ. Whilst I don't disagree with the idea that baptism is an obedient way of showing outwardly and publicly what God has done in your life privately in your heart. And incidentally, uh, if God is prompting you to be obedient in this way, you really should be talking to someone about it and stop putting it off and delaying and coming up with excuses as to why you've yet to make that step. But, whilst it is an important act of obedience, it's unlikely to be what Jesus is referring to here. In this context, he's talking to Nicodemus, a teacher of Israel's law, and one who would have known the significance of water. Such passages as found in Ezekiel 36, uh, starting from verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, says God, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Nicodemus should have known. He needed to be spiritually born of water. Water that cleanses and purifies. Water that cools and refreshes. Bathe in spiritual water that can only come from God, so that he might be washed and made new. The regenerating work of the Spirit is also compared to the wind. Jesus stresses the independence of the Spirit, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Just as the power of the wind is evidenced, and don't we know it by its effect, so the power of the Spirit has evident effect. So Nicodemus was not to see the kingdom because of anything he could do, but rather and only through belief in one who could and would do it all for him, Jesus Christ. So, be born again, simply put, was a call for Nicodemus to put his trust in the man that stood before him. 
by putting his faith in him and believing that Jesus' task to get rid of all that stained Nicodemus' life and kept him from seeing the kingdom would be dealt with once and for all by Jesus' cleansing work completed on the cross. God loved Nicodemus so much that he sent Jesus so that if he believed in him, he wouldn't die but have eternal life and he would see God's kingdom. What did Jesus say? You must be born again. You must. You must. What Jesus is saying here is not optional for Nicodemus. It is in the imperative. It is crucial. It is a command. Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night for whatever reason, and he accepted him as a teacher, and yet at that point he was not willing to receive Jesus' teaching. How can this be? He asks in verse 4 and then again in verse 9. He acknowledged that Jesus was a good man, a man of God even, but he was yet to go beyond that. What Jesus says to him, he either doesn't want to understand, is incapable despite being a man of learning, or perhaps he's the sort that just enjoys probing and asking questions, but when it comes to the point of actually enacting what he hears, puts on the brakes. To do so misses the importance that Jesus attaches to the idea of being born again. To making that fresh start with him. You must. Not you could. Not you might like to. Or not if it suits or if it's convenient. You must. If Nicodemus wanted to see the kingdom of God, this was what he had to do. Trust Jesus, step out in faith and trust him, and in so doing, he would be born again. What was it Jesus said? You must be born again. This brings me to my final point. Jesus said, you, you must be born again. This is personal. He's talking to you. Jesus is calling you. It's not enough to simply think of him as a good man who said good things. You can't say, I'll call you teacher as long as I can choose the lesson. Like Nicodemus, you cannot assume that you can inherit faith because your parents have faith in Jesus or that you do religious things like come to church so you'll be okay because you're not that bad. Like Nicodemus, you would have misunderstood or trying to ignore what Jesus had been saying to you. You need to be born again. You can't wash and be spiritually clean yourself, no matter what your efforts may be. You will still fall short, just like all of us. It's at this point I'm just very quickly going to get something that I meant to bring up with me but forgot. know that I really enjoy the Chronicles of Narnia. Any excuse to get a bit of Narnia into a sermon, and I'll have it 
This is a tattered old version of the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I want to pick up at the point where Eustace, who is a reluctant uh, voyager on board the Narnian ship, um, he has his own little story. They've come across an island. Eustace has separated himself off. And through his vanity and disobedience, he's transformed into a dragon. He is in pain because he has on his arm now a dragon's, uh, now a dragon's leg, a bracelet that painfully constricts him. There is nothing he can do about it. He is forever going to be trapped as a dragon in pain. Things look pretty hopeless for Eustace. Then one night, Aslan, the Christ figure of the Chronicles, comes to him and calls him to a well of water and commands him to undress and bathe. He immediately tries to undress, and by this it's literally scratching with his claws the, the scales from his own body. But to his horror, even though he's able to do it, beneath are more scales. He tries again and again, but as Eustace explains, So I scratched away for the third time and got off a third skin, just like the two others, and stepped out of it. But as soon as I looked at myself in the water, I knew it would be no good. Then the lion, Aslan, said, but I don't know if it spoke, you'll have to let me, you'll have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now, so I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I'd ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know if you've ever picked a scab off a sore place, it hurts like billiard, but it is such fun to see it coming away. I know exactly what you mean, said Edward. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there I was, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that much, for I was very tender underneath now that I'd no skin on. And he threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. I'd turned into a boy again. You'd think me simply phony if I told you how I felt about my own arms. I know there's no muscle and are pretty mouldy compared with Cassian's, but I was so glad to see them. After a bit, the lion took me out and dressed me. <laughs> dressed you? With his paws? Well, I don't exactly remember that bit, but he did somehow or other, in new clothes. The same I've got on now, as a matter of fact. And then, and then suddenly I was back here, which is what makes me think it must have been a dream. No, it wasn't a dream, said Edmund. Why not? Well, there are the clothes, for one thing. They are new. And you've been, well... Undragoned for another. 
Knowing Jesus is all about fresh starts. It's all about trusting him because he is trustworthy. Knowing Jesus is not about calling in teacher and then trying to dictate the lesson or being selective about listening to what he wants you to do. You must be born again. You must. You. I want us to spend just a short time now in, in quiet, reflecting on what God has said to you throughout this service. I want to give us all a chance to listen to God and to respond to him. Tonight you may want to recommit your life to him. Perhaps you've been a long way off and want to get back on that path and walk with him. Perhaps you know that Jesus is calling you to something, to do or not do. If Jesus is your Lord, you can't be selective about it. When you were washed and born of the Spirit, it wasn't just a toe that was dipped in. It was all of you. And you may need a fresh now to wholeheartedly commit to him. Perhaps you're in the same situation as Nicodemus. You know of Jesus. You've seen his work in the lives of others that are yet to be born again yourself. Just as Aslan called Eustace and Jesus called Nicodemus, he's calling you tonight to be born again, to start afresh with him. Now is the time. God so loves you that he gave you his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that if you believe in him, you will not die, but have everlasting life. You don't have to understand everything about the new birth before you experience it. Let's just have a time of silence.